Okay, let's let's do it then. I'm going to pray and then we're going to continue this series that Pastor Jacob started last week, Jesus over everything. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, you truly are supreme. You truly are above everything. There's nothing in this world that was created that wasn't created through you. And that includes us. Lord, we know that we were created by you and for you. And it's in you that we live, we move, we have our our very existence. It's all in you. And so, Lord Jesus, as we get into your word, I pray that your life would be made evident in us. Lord, we don't want to just be here for words on a page, but we want to be here for your life-giving, breathing, living word. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence with us as I speak, as I communicate what what is on my heart, Lord, I pray that you would make it revelation in each and every one of our hearts. I thank you for teaching us, uh, every single one of us. We all have something to learn, some way to grow. And Lord, it's you. You're the one that is sufficient to do the growing and the maturing. So Lord, we look to you this morning. We thank you for the change that you're going to bring. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, church, if, if you've got your Bibles, we're in the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians. Last week, Pastor Jacob, who, if you're not familiar with Victory Life Church, something that you should know is that we're one church in a lot of different locations. So Victory Life Church Boswell is one of a few. We're we're a larger church, and uh, Pastor Jacob Sheriff is the, the senior pastor, and he has started a series for us entitled Jesus Over Everything. And we're looking here in the book of Colossians, as much as the lights will allow us to look at the book of Colossians. We're looking here at the book of Colossians to see Jesus revealed and to see that Christ is supreme. He's overall, he's in all. And that's where he started us off last week. Pastor Jacob started us off talking about how Jesus is supreme. If you look here in Colossians 1 verse 18, it says that, uh, that Jesus, that he and everything might be preeminent. And another word for preeminent there is supreme. To be the number one, the greatest, overall, in all. And that was our starting point, that Jesus is supreme. And so now as we go through this series, we're going to kind of unpack that a little bit and see what that means for you, what that means for me, what that looks like. Because saying that Jesus is supreme is not just some fancy statement to, you know, just put on a bumper sticker, Jesus is supreme, and we leave it at that. It's not just some big idea, but Jesus being supreme means that something is lived out, something looks different. Jesus being supreme is a lived reality in people's lives, in your life and in my life. If Jesus is supreme, that means something looks different, something changes. And that's what we're going to be unpacking here over the next few weeks. If Jesus is supreme, what now? What now for us? And our starting point here today is that if Jesus is supreme, then that means we as the church, you and I as the body of Christ, we are to live our lives under Jesus. We're to live our lives under the supremacy of Jesus. Jesus is supreme. We're going to live our lives under that truth, under that fact. And that's going to change us in a lot of different ways. And so the Apostle Paul, he continues here in the book of Colossians. We're going to pick up in Colossians 1. I'm going to be in uh, verses 
27 and 28 here as we start to unpack what this means, what it looks like for us as the church to live under Jesus as the Supreme Lord. So here picking up in verse 27, to them, I'm going to go ahead and pause this here. I know this is going to take us a while. To them, them is, it's referring to the saints. He just said that in verse 26, the saints. That's you and I. If you've called on the name of Jesus, if you've made him Lord, then you've been made a saint in him. So this is talking about us. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. To us, God's chosen to make a great mystery known. You know, Jacob mentioned last week that there was this idea going around around this church called Gnosticism. And with Gnosticism, there's this idea that there's some great big mysteries and it's all about these mysteries and unknowing and or unknown things that once you know the big mysteries of the world, that's what the special stuff is. Well, the Apostle Paul is using their same language here and saying, yeah, there's this great mystery, but it's not so mysterious anymore because Christ has made it known in us. So this great mystery that they would be seeking that's off way out in the universe somewhere. This great mystery now is right here with us. He said he's making known the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of all glory. Christ in you, the hope of all glory. You know, church, Jesus, his mission here on the earth, his mission was not to do some cross-tomb magic trick that Uh, just said, poof, look at this. This is a great thing. I rose from the dead. That whole thing, everything that Jesus did from his, his death, his burial, his resurrection, it was for the goal, for the purpose of being able to take residence inside of us. The, the, that mystery that God could be in us, we in God. If last week we looked at the supremacy of Jesus Everything was created through him. He's the firstborn of all creation. Everything was made by him, for him, to him, through him. This great big mystery of who Jesus is, his whole goal on this earth was to be able to, to take up residence in us. So everything that Jesus is, he is in you. And he is in me. Man, that's powerful. Can we say that that's powerful this morning? Okay, so let's keep reading here. Him we proclaim, this is verse 28, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We may present everyone mature in Christ. The Apostle Paul is saying here that that's his MO. That's his goal. All the things that he did for all the churches was for this purpose of presenting people mature in Christ. Look at it, you know, if you're comfortable talking in church. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm looking pretty good this morning. I know you can tell somebody that you're looking good this morning. Say, I'm looking pretty good this morning, but I'm not done. I'm not a finished product. Every single one of us, you know, God has made us new. If we've called on the name of the Lord Jesus, behold, if anyone's in Christ, behold, new creation. God's made us new, but you know what else? He's got us on this journey of maturing us. We're not a finished product. Somebody look at the person next to you and say, thank God you're not a finished product. (laughs) Yeah. 
we've all got we've all got some work to do. We've got some places to go. We've got some maturing. We've got some growing to do. You and I, we've been been made new in Jesus, but we're not a finished product. He's not done with us. He's not finished with us yet, but he's the one that's going to do it. If Jesus is supreme and we need to live our lives under his lordship, and that looks like maturity, Jesus is also, what we're talking about this morning, is Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is enough. He's good enough. He's big enough. He's strong enough to make that growth happen, to make that maturity happen. That's what really we're really, really focusing in on this morning, is that he wants to mature us. He wants to grow us. God wants to develop us. He loves us just the way that we are, but he loves us too much to leave us the way that we are which means that Jesus wants to grow us. He wants to develop. He wants to mature. If you look here at this word mature, uh, that in the Greek, the, the word is teleos, or at least that's the root of it. Teleos, it, it means obviously to mature. That's why they translated it this way. They're not lying to us. But to mature, but also to perfect, to grow, to bring to like the full maturity of what something is supposed to be. Uh, so, this same thing that says mature here, that we're to mature in Christ, Helios. Elsewhere in Scripture, in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12, verse 2, it talks about how Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. There in Hebrews, where it talks about Jesus as the founder and perfecter of our faith, it's that same word there, Telios, that it, that it uses. That Jesus, the same one who was good enough, big enough, sufficient, to change our lives, turn our lives around. I know some people in here have a testimony of, man, I was living one way, God changed things around. I had one kind of life, behold now, a new creation in Christ. Jesus is sufficient. He's strong enough to turn a life around. And he's got the same sufficiency to grow us, to mature us, to develop us, even after we've been made, made new in him. So he's the founder. He's the perfecter of our faith. This maturity it happens in Him. And so that's what we're unpacking this morning. How do, we, how do we mature? How do we grow? And you know, if you take even just like a typical everyday example of this, you know, you could look at your bodies. How do our bodies mature and grow? And everybody's got different opinions on this. You know, some people are all about like, hey, diet, diet, diet. This is how your body is going to develop. Other people are all about exercise. Uh, you know, you need to be working out this much a day. You need to be doing yoga. You need to be taking more walks. You need to be drinking a whole bunch of water. Uh, you need to be doing CrossFit. If you've ever talked to anybody who ever has done CrossFit, they'll talk to you about it, okay? So everybody, and no offense, okay, if you do CrossFit, please come back. But but everybody's got their opinions and there, there's all these different angles about how do we grow? Well, it can be similar even whenever we're talking about growth in Christ, growth in our spiritual walk and our journey with the Lord, how we mature and develop even as Christians. And there's, uh, there's different perspectives on it. Pastor Connor, in his awesome wisdom inspired by the Holy Spirit while he was uh, leading us up here during that time of worship, he talked about how like we there can be a big temptation to focus on the do's. To okay, well, how I grow in Christ is I should just start reading my Bible more. I should start praying more. I should start going to church more. And the focus can be on the things that we do. Do this and that's how you're going to grow. And there's there's an element to truth there 
but that's not the whole truth. Some people would focus on more experiences, like, man, if you just, if you, if you get slain in the Spirit, then that's really how you're going to grow. Like, if you have this radical experience with God at the altar, that's what growth looks like. And that could cause people to, to chase conferences and chase moves of the Lord that it feels like it's just beyond reach. It's just over there. And there's an element to truth of God doing a powerful work in your life and that causing growth. But that's not the whole truth. That's not everything that there is. So, so what is it? What's, the, what's that secret special thing? <laughs> Coming back to Gnosticism, okay? The secrets. The secret is... There's not much of a secret, okay? That's what uh, the Apostle Paul's about to get into here. And that's what we're going to unpack a little bit. So if you would, go to Colossians uh, chapter 2. Let's get into chapter 2, verses 6 and, and 7. This gets into what the Apostle Paul's perspective is on this. How do we grow in Christ? Because he's telling them, this is what my whole goal is, that we can present everyone mature in Christ. So he's going to kind of talk to us about this. What does it look like to mature in Christ? Here in Colossians 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Therefore, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him. Again, Jesus was sufficient to save us. That same sufficiency, that same enoughness that is Jesus to be able to save a life is that same enoughness, that same sufficiency to be able to mature it and to grow it. Therefore, just as you received him, so walk in him. Elsewhere, you know, um, you'll, you'll see the Apostle Paul giving a tongue lashing to the Galatians in other parts of of scripture. He said, why, why did you start something by the Spirit only to try to complete it by the flesh? Why did you start something over here that God did, that God started, and then think that you could finish it up by yourself, start to do it on your own strength? Anybody ever gone that route before? Man, God, you've really provided, you've made a way for me in this job. I, I could tell that you were the one that opened the doors, and you're the one that made a way for me, but now that I'm here, I got this. Now, now that I got the job, I'm going to figure this out on my own. And then there's frustration, then there's pain, then there's heartache. Well, no, if, if Jesus was big enough to start something, he's going to be big enough to finish it. The founder, perfecter of our faith, the founder, finisher of our faith. It's all Jesus here. So just as you received him, so walk in him. That's the big mystery here. Walking in Christ, rooted and built up in him. Y'all, if we are to live our lives under the lordship and supremacy of Jesus, then that means we need to walk out every bit of what our lives are in Him. Walk, walk in Him. What, every, every bit of our lives, y'all, our identity, our sexuality. Y'all know we're going to be talking about sex at the marriage conference. Who likes talking about sex at church? What? Well, <laughs> Okay, what man, we'll, we'll figure that out later then. We'll talk about it this weekend, okay? Show up. Our sexuality, our finances, our family, our marriage, our parenting, every bit, our politics, 
our friendships, every bit of our lives, we're to walk out and walk in the Lordship of Christ. His whole mystery, his whole goal of being on this earth was, again, like I said, not just some magic trick show that, hey, poof, I rose from the dead. But it was, hey, I defeated sin and death in the grave so that I could take up residence in your life, so that I could be in you, so that I could live in and through you, so that you could walk your life out in me, so that your politics could look like me, so that your marriage could look like reflecting me, so that, again, your sexuality, your identity, every single thing, it's not something that you and I just get to choose like our culture would tell us, but it's something that He gets to choose, that we get to submit to Him and walk out in Him. Walking in this. That's what maturity and growth, again, He's sufficient to do it. If he's going to ask us to walk all of our lives out in him, he's sufficient to make it happen. He's sufficient to bring growth and maturity. He's sufficient. So don't break, don't break from the formula. If you know that Christ was sufficient to save you, know that Christ is sufficient to, to grow you, to develop you. He is sufficient. And so as we, we move on here in Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul gives us some things to look out for, some temptations, which I know that you've experienced, that I've experienced. That's why it's here in God's Word. It's not just a letter to the Colossians, but it's a letter to us as well. Some temptations that we need to look out for as we're considering growing and maturing in Christ. This is, these are some things that he warns them about. The first one here in, uh, we're going to pick up in verse 8. This, he talks about let no one enslave you. Don't let anyone enslave you. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. See to it that nobody takes you captive. Nobody enslaves you by philosophy and empty deceit. Things that were created and cultivated by humanity that, that are not a part of Christ. Philosophy. I know everybody likes talking about philosophy. I don't, personally. But here, whenever I think of philosophy, I think of all the isms, all right? If you've ever done any research into philosophy there's a bunch of isms there but you know just things like i'm not going to unpack everything but things that we're kind of swimming in uh, like postmodernism which is this idea that everything every idea every single thing just needs to be destructed and uh, down to the smallest parts that every every single idea will oh well you know, now you get to reconstruct. You get to create whatever your reality is because it's all it all falls apart here. Our secularism, materialism, that just the, the only things that, that matter are the things that we can touch and, and feel, that it's only about what I can see. There, there's no consideration of, of the spiritual, the spiritual God that created and initiated everything, even the things that we can see. Things like Marxism, socialism, again, all these isms that, again, are, can be dangerous. And again, philosophy in and of itself is not bad. 
But the, the thing we need as Christians that we have to look out for and watch out for is to take every thought captive. Remember, so philosophy in and of itself isn't bad, but if there's any man-made human tradition, worldly philosophy that would draw us away from Christ as a Lord, then that thing needs to be cut off in our lives. That needs to be taken captive and that needs to be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. So I could even take an idea that maybe isn't all bad. I, hear, hear my heart here, all right? Because I know I'm talking to good old American folk here. But even take an idea like capitalism, the philosophy that's there. I don't think, I mean, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but generally people are okay with capitalism, all right? But even, even that idea needs to be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. Because there are some really good things about it. There are some great things going on here. But then there's this other element too that, again, even the founder, the, the person who developed this philosophy talks about how the economy needs to be guided by the invisible hand of everyone's own self-interest. Okay? So capitalism, good. Okay, all right. We're okay with this. But there's an element here that even in our culture, in our society, needs to be submitted to the Lord Jesus. Because if we take a lot of these different philosophies to their logical end, that my entire life needs to be just guided by whatever my own self-interest, by taking care of myself and that that'll make everything work out for everybody. No, there's an element of that that needs to be submitted to Jesus. That what guides my life is his interest, not my own. Okay, so th this is what I'm talking about here is that philosophy in and of itself isn't bad. These isms by themselves might not be terrible, but that's, that's how the enemy would like to work is to just come in like a wolf in sheep's clothing, you know, to just sneak in there. But every single thought, every single philosophy needs to bow its knee, just like every other name in this world, bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Submit to Jesus. So let no one enslave you. Let no one enslave you by philosophy and empty deceit. The, the Apostle Paul, this is so good. We're just talking about Paul all over the place here. But the Apostle Paul encourages the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians. Uh, he says, consider your own calling. Not many of you were wise by worldly standards. Not many of you were strong and big shots and all this great. But God chose what is low, what is Dumb, that's a paraphrase. What is considered unwise in this world, God chose all of those things to shame what the world calls wise. And so while the world might say, hey, you need to take this philosophy, you need to take this way of thinking if you're going to be reasonable in this world. You need to take this way of thinking wholesale for yourself if you're going to have any kind of credibility in social circles. You're going to have to take on this philosophy. No, the Apostle Paul says, you're calling not many of you were wise according to the world's standards. Not many of you were strong. Not many of you were great and powerful. But God chose that. God uses that. He wants that to shame what the world calls wise. Y'all, Jesus is sufficient to make you wise. Jesus is sufficient to make you and I wise. Wise enough for what he needs from us. Wise enough for his purposes. We can go and find our own version of this high philosophy and way of thinking and way of doing. But again, if we go back even to the Garden of Eden, that, that temptation of man to reach out and grab that knowledge of good and evil for their own, to make it for themselves, to be like God. Whereas God calls us to be humble, to submit every thought to Him. 
to submit every kind of philosophy that would try to deceive us, try to enslave us, captivate us, submit that to him, knowing that he is sufficient to make us wise. He is sufficient. So let no one enslave you with that kind of philosophy. The, the next one that he encourages is to let no one judge you. If you go to Colossians 2, verses 16 and 17 here, it says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Notice again, just how he's talking about not being enslaved by philosophy. He brought it back to Christ. Here again, let no one judge you in regard to what festivals you're observing or how strict you are in your diet or how well you're abiding by these certain laws. Don't let anybody judge you about those things because those things are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Bringing the focus back to Christ. So again, this whole temptation of, let me just increase my to-do list, my religious to-do list. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to show up to church more. And I'm going to be afraid of what somebody else is going to think if I'm not at church. And I'm going to let somebody else impose what their religious tradition is on me and, and how I need to live. I'm going to let them be the judge of my life. Now, he said these things, you know, you can, you can get to a certain point with that. There's a shadow there, but the substance is Christ. Don't let anybody judge you. Don't, don't let anybody make you think that your to-do list is what's saving you and maturing you. You know, your to-do list couldn't save you. Your big to-do list, you couldn't pray enough to be saved. You can't read the Bible enough to be saved. You can't come to church enough to be saved. There's one way to get saved. That's the way, the truth, the life. That's the, the narrow way through Jesus Christ himself. And if there's, amen, yeah, let's give it up for Jesus. He's sufficient. He's big enough to save. And so if that's the way that you were saved, man, what's the way that you're going to grow and mature? There's, it's not through your to-dos. Of course, God can use those, but it's all whenever it's submitted to Jesus Christ. Because when we start to rely on those things, then it's about ourselves. So I... My kids aren't old enough to do this yet, but I've been around kids enough, and I'm sure everybody's familiar with this. But have you noticed ever if a child or, yeah, just say your kid, I guess, if you don't have a kid, someone, a child you've been around is really buttering up to you and like telling you how much they love you and how pretty you look today and how great you are. And you can just tell like, what do you want, Right? Well, yeah, what did you do? Whoa, whoa, what's going on? There is a distinct difference in those moments and those times that you've probably also felt, maybe with your children or others, where they just like out of the love that they have for you are snuggling up to you and telling you that they love you and that they care about you. You, you know there's a difference there, right? You've observed this in children. Well, it's the same thing even in our relationship with God. If we're, if we're reading our Bible more, if we're praying more, if we're going to church more, yeah, that's all fine and good. But if the whole motivation behind that is I'm creating my own religion, my own system and tradition and way of getting God to be pleased with me, if I'm doing this for myself, it's that same thing. Okay, kid, what are you asking for? Okay, kid, what did you do? This is about you right now. 
It is not about me, I can tell. So what's going on? There's a distinct difference between that. And you know what? You could, you could go from this service and start reading your Bible more, start praying more, start going to church more, and it be out of a heart that is all about Christ. That is like, man, because Christ has done this for me, because Christ has made me new, because Christ, I want to grow in him because I love him. You can do all of those things and absolutely you're going to grow and mature because it is in Christ. It's for Christ. So other people would stand to the side and look at that and think, oh, they're reading their Bible more. They're going to church more. They're praying more. That must mean growth. I'm going to go do that for myself. But again, it's, it's flipped. It's messed up. It's not in Christ. He is the substance. These things are the shadow. He's the substance. And so that's what the Apostle Paul is bringing us to here. We're going to grow. We're going to mature. Keep it on the substance. Keep that focus on Christ. He's the one. That, that we're growing in. So let no one judge you. He is sufficient. Number three, he says, let no one disqualify you. If we keep reading here, verse 18, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Have you ever felt, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but have you ever felt like your spirituality was disqualified or minimized in some way, not good enough, not big enough, because of someone else's experience that they've had with the Lord? I've felt that way before. I've felt, man, this person came to the altar they got slain in the spirit. They were speaking in tongues. They were talking about this huge vision that they had, which is great. But then it can make me feel like, well, man, I guess I just wasn't focused enough in this service. Uh, maybe I've been sinning too much and God didn't want to speak to me tonight. We can base. Okay, I'm just, I'll just be the honest one in church this morning. Okay, I, I've done this before. I've based my spiritual experience based off of what somebody else is getting and what it seems like I'm not getting. You just don't get it. Oh, you haven't had an experience like this. You just don't get it. And it's very easy, even in a good church like we have, it's easy to compare ourselves amongst ourselves like this. And it's easy to get a, a mindset that would want to disqualify someone else because of an experience that they haven't had. How many have, you know, here we, in this church, we believe we believe that God would love to give you a prayer language. That as the Holy Spirit moves in you, that utterances, things could come out of you that maybe don't abide by the rules of the English language and are a heavenly language that, that God knows and that it creates intimacy between you and Him. That's a, to me, that's a beautiful thing. And some of my, some great experiences between me and the Lord have been through just praying in tongues. But I, I don't want anyone to ever feel in any way disqualified, minimized, like they have a lesser walk with God because they've never prayed in a prayer language before. That, that's not something to disqualify anyone. That's not, someone, that's not something to make anybody feel like they have less of a, a spiritual walk with God. Because again, it's not about my prayer language. If I speak in languages of angels and have all these prophecies, but I don't have love and Christ is love. If it's not all about him, then man, I might as well be a, just a gong up here, a 
clanging cymbal, making a lot of racket, but doing no good, annoying everyone. If it's not about Christ, it's not about Christ. And you know what? The world, the world tries to provide this. It's not just in, in Christian circles, but man, all over the world right now, it's this new age transcendence. Be, you know, have some kind of experience that just moves beyond this physical realm, whether that be through, you know, some new age religion or oneness with the earth or whatever. You've, you've heard the mumbo jumbo, I know. But this, this emphasis on transcendence, we want to go beyond, we want to be beyond, greater than have some kind of experience. And if you haven't had the experience, then you just don't get it. If you haven't had the experience, you just don't get it. Probably never will. This isn't for you. Don't let anyone disqualify you for what experience you've had or hadn't. Amen. Amen. Because again, your walk with God is not about the experiences. It's about Christ being in you and living and walking through you. Does He want to give you experiences? Yes. Does He want to, to help you to, to do more things for Him? Yes. Does He want to give you a good, sound philosophy and way to, to live your life? Yes. But it's not about those things. Those things, again, are the shadow. Christ is the substance. Whenever we remove Christ from it, then we've got huge, huge problems. He is the substance. If we go on to verse 19, so it's talking about these people disqualifying, trying to disqualify you, assistant, insisting on asceticism, worship of angels, picking up in verse 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Grows with a growth that is from God. Again, Paul brings it back to the whole point. This whole point is being rooted, built up in Christ, walking in Him. He's the one that makes it all happen. And so all these different people who would try to captivate you, to judge you, to disqualify you, are not holding fast to the head that is Jesus, in whom the whole body, joined together, grows with a growth that is from God. Did you know that you can't get some growth in all these other ways? Like I said, you can get a growth, you can get some kind of growth from increasing your religious to-do list. You can get some kind of growth from different philosophies that the world has to offer. You can get some kind of growth from these spiritual experiences. There's some kind of growth, you know, you could feel better about it afterwards. You could have maybe some new thing to talk about. But the true growth that you and I want, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit can only come through Jesus. Through that being joined to the head. The head that is Christ that makes the whole body work and function the way that it should. Y'all, we, we could find growth in various areas, but it's not going to last. It's not eternal. It's fleeting. It's momentary. But if you and I, if we want to truly grow with a growth that is from God, we have to be connected to the head that is Jesus. Connected to the head that is Jesus. Amen. Give it up for the Lord. So, so when we take Christ out of it, Christless philosophy, Christless religion, Christless spirituality, what that focuses on and what that tries to do is it, it elevates and it isolates the self. 
when you take Christ out of it, yeah, there's some philosophy, some religion, some spirituality. It elevates and isolates the self. That's what our culture is about. Elevating the, the individual and the self. Isolating the individual. But philosophy, religion, spirituality that is Christ-centered, that is focused on Him, man, that brings life to the entire body. That connects you and I. It doesn't isolate us. It doesn't elevate us. But it elevates the body of Christ and it connects the body of Christ in a way that we can grow. You know, you and I, we're going to grow in relationship. You grow in relationship. You grow when you're close to one another. I've known people that have said like, man, I love Jesus so much. God's so awesome. But man, church people, I'm just going to do this on my own. And I saw tremendous immaturity in those people. Because yeah, you can have a good thing going on with God, but God wants to live in you and walk that out with you and through you with the people around you. That's how we're going to grow. That's how we're going to mature. When we're connected to Christ because He's going to connect us to one another. We're going to land the plane here, okay? If you go to Colossians 2, verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. They have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Y'all, we could go about this on our own strength. We could try to pursue philosophy, religion, spirituality on our own. We could try to make ourselves grow. We could try our hardest to make ourselves mature. But if Christ is supreme, if everything is in Him, then Christ is the one who is sufficient to bring about growth in our lives. Church, if we're going to live under the lordship and supremacy of Christ, we're going to submit our development and our growth as human beings to Him. We're going to walk our lives out in Him. We're going to submit every thought to Him. We're going to submit every to-do list to Him because it's about Him. We're going to take every experience that we have and say, what, how does this point me to Christ? It's all about Him. It's all Him. He is sufficient. He is enough. He can do it. If you got your Bibles, I'd ask you to go to the, the book of John. John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, starting in verse 4, this, these are the words of Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen. Church, I want us to be reminded this morning that what we need is Jesus. 
you do not need Jesus plus. You know those marketing schemes that would try to get you hooked on something. And hey, if you really want all the exclusive bonus content, you're going to need to get Jesus plus. You're going to need to get Jesus and. You don't need Jesus and. You don't need Jesus plus. We as a church, I pray that our mindset, our focus, our hearts would be solely fixed on Jesus. Do I want to grow? Jesus. Do I want to mature? Jesus. Do I need more trust? Jesus. Do I want to be more spiritual? Jesus. Do I need to be more wise? Jesus. Let us be solely fixed on that. You do not need Jesus plus. He is enough. He is sufficient. And He's got us on a journey. He's developing us. He's growing us. Amen. Give it up for Jesus. That's who we need. We do not need... Jesus plus. So if I could, I'd like to ask the ministry teams to come forward. I want to pray for, I want to say a prayer over everybody that's here, but I want to encourage you too. If you are here, you've got a need. You need God to move in some way. You're you need somebody to agree with you in prayer. That, that's what these people are here for. And I just encourage you to come forward and uh, to receive prayer for whatever it is that's going on in your life. You know, when I talk about Jesus being sufficient, Jesus being enough, he really, really is. I'm going to, just this morning, we had an amazing testimony. Can I share? Okay. So an amazing testimony is a few months back, it, you, talk to David and Shirley about the specifics here, but a few months back um, David was told that he had Parkinson's. And if anybody's familiar with that, you know how big of a blow that could be. And so what did we do? We prayed. We prayed. We talked to the Lord about it. We asked that Jesus in his sufficiency and his enoughness would, would reach out and heal that. And David was just told this week hey, you don't have Parkinson's. So, and, you know, it's, it's not just about that. It, it, it's anything. I, I don't have enough money in the bank account. I don't have a good enough relationship with my daughter. I, I don't have this. I need that. Whatever it is, I'm not saying that God's just some genie that's going to magically wave a wand and just fix everything for us. But even if it's to walk through a journey of not receiving, Jesus is sufficient for that. To, to receive healing, Jesus is sufficient for that. To know love whenever you didn't get that from your family, Jesus is sufficient for that. Whatever it is, Jesus is sufficient. And so I just want to encourage you all on that. If, if there's anything that you find yourself you have need of, please come, receive some prayer, get pointed to Christ. And let's care for one another like that. If you will bow your heads, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we focus ourselves right now on you. You are big enough. You're strong enough. We don't need you and anything else. We need you. So Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. Direct our hearts in toward, toward your love and toward your steadfastness. Bring us closer and deeper into your presence, Lord.
You are supreme. You are God over all. You're the Lord of the universe. You created us. And so, Lord, we submit our lives to you. We live our lives under your supremacy and under your lordship. And God, we say that you are enough. You're big enough. You're strong enough. You can do it. So draw us into your presence. Help us to glorify and honor you with everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would stand, I want to just speak one more blessing over you. I like to do this every single time we're together. You know it. But I just pray this week that the Lord would direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen.